welcome to RSF, the revolutionary sports front, your dirty, nasty, and controversial sports talk podcast for all things Detroit sports and sports worldwide. Here are your hosts, Tony, Joey, Frank, and Gerard, four lifelong friends born and raised in South Detroit. Revolutionary Sports Front Season 2, Episode 6, and the boys are back in town once again. Uh, We're coming off a three-week delay, did some renovations and some upgrades to the studio, uh, just to give you guys a picture out there. Now Joe Krasik is to my right via Skype on a a nice flat screen. Tony Tony sits across from me. Jerry to my left, and we got a lab, boys. We got a lab, a new studio. We're studio gangster. We're moving on up, and it feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels nice. I can see Joe instead of just Tony seeing Joe and making weird smiles at him, so it's fun, man. I feel like we're 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 making progress in the world. What's what's good is when I would see Tony, though, it was so dark, I could, like, see his smile, and, like, that was it. Like, I could just see his teeth, and it it was was super creep. So now I can actually see all of you. There's, There's good lighting. Uh, from this end, and uh, there is good it looks great, boys. Yeah, I wish we could just black Tony out if when we start doing YouTube channels, but we'll get to that later, one step at a time. Oh, we're going to black me out like I'm Muhammad on a cartoon? <laughs> okay. So oh, we, I got to uh, go racial, man. Look guys, look, guys, it's been three weeks since we did a show. Like I said, we were doing some renovations, so we got to dive right in. A lot's happened. We're going to be concise like always, but we're going to be really uh, informative as well. So we're going to start with college. A lot of people thought that when we went radio silent for not one but two and three weeks after the Michigan-Michigan State game, that somehow us Michigan fans or me, I've never been more wrong in my career on RSF than it was that weekend. But it wasn't because of that. We were doing renovations. But the game happened. It was a driving rain. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't ugly. But at the end of the day, the bad guys came out on top. We're going to talk about that. Um, we got pro football. The Lions have been kind of kind of teetering. The Packers lost a key player. We'll talk about that. And they also got a Monday night football game coming up. UFC 217 tonight live from the Garden MSG. Huge card. Worth your 55, 60 bucks for sure. And uh, we're going to end it with some, yes, soccer. And, of course, Joe's got to throw some Red Wings soccer. stuff in. And give us, uh, give us an update on what's going on with the Wings. Huge Red day. Wings, let's dive Red right Wings. in. So let's start. Let's backtrack it. Hit the rewind button. And uh, I know it's a little bit of old news. So we won't dwell on it, let's hope, for Jerry. All right? But... The game happened. Let's uh, let's start with with the winner. We got to give props to the winner over here, the Michigan yeah, State. Grid. You know, just go ahead. I just mean, if ahead. it uh, hadn't rained, it would have been a lot worse out there for the Wolverines. Gotten spanked, but turns out the win wasn't actually that good since they went and got drugged by Penn State. But you know, I was right. That's all I'm going to say. I, I mean, we were wrong about some other things that day, but I was 100 percent correct. It was a beatdown by my Michigan State Spartans. I believe they had three or four straight interceptions. It's been a while now. If we had done a show the next week, I would have gotten a lot more into it, but a lot's happened since then. My life personally, your guys' lives, Michigan State's life. Anyways, I was right. Y'all were wrong. State for life. Go green, go white. We out there. Oh, you mean like the fact that Penn State's about to destroy Michigan State here in two hours? All right, all right. We normally don't dwell on the past here, just in my life in general or in uh, RSF world, but right now we are dwelling on that past. What do you got to say about your? You're wearing a Michigan Wolverine shirt right now, big guy. What do you got to say about your team? Uh, it's my game day shirt, and we won last week. Looks like we might have a quarterback, hopefully. But who knows, because O'Corn looked good when he came in against Purdue, and then he sucked. Well, so what you're saying is, since State beat you, you have absolutely zero comments on that game. All right, first of all, all right, I, I've heard enough. Let me dive in real quick. That Joe, you can give it your take. All right, for, all right, Jerry, you won the game, but the histrionics has got to stop. Okay, first of all, it was 14-7, and 
it, you say it could have been worse with the rain. I think a lot of people would disagree with that. Quite the opposite. I think a lot of people would say it would have been a different outcome if it wasn't for the rain. Even Outside. though it did come, it did come late. You went off on a diatribe and got crazy with it. So let me just answer you. The Michigan was starting the wrong quarterback, obviously. We found that out the hard way. They weren't as good as we thought. You won the game, bro. God bless you. You won the game, but it was 14-7. You turned the, or Michigan turned the ball 14, over. How many 10. times did we turn the ball over? How many times? 14-10. How many 14-10? It makes my like point a even better. Times. How many times did Michigan turn the ball over? 100 and times. And How many scored, times? And he scored 14 fucking points. So don't act like you're yeah, a tough guy. Yeah, because we knew our defense could hold. Only At like the end you. of the day, you're just going to go to some Bes- bowl like we do. You're not going to the top besides, four. You're not winning the Big Ten. Besides, we to our own 33. You're not, okay. You're not going to well, win anything. Besides the punts, our own 33, which you guys scored your touchdown on. Besides that, you had one field goal the entire game. And I think a grand total after the first drive of four plays ran in our territory. That's what we get. Like I said, green hammer, blue nail. Except for the nail this time was your offense and the hammer was our defense. Bring the rain! At the end of the day, you're not gonna, you might go to the Citrus Bowl. We might go to the Little Caesars. It's not going to matter. It's not either year, but whatever. You got that one. You're lucky. Look, Joe, what, what happened? It's, it's not luck. It's a culmination man, of I, skill and talent. Man, it was, oh. it was a good game plan. You know, I think I, I picked Michigan uh, you know, with, the, with the obvious, uh, I think, talent differential at the schools right now and, and you know, kind of the trend to where they were going. But... Uh, Michigan State is a lot better football team than I thought they were, which is awesome um, for for a Notre Dame fan this year. But uh, you, you know, I'll tell you what, man, that D'Antonio. If there's one good thing, he, if there's one thing he's really, really good at is a game plan. And uh, it, it looked like an old Spartan team where the overall discipline of the of a defense was there, man. The positioning, the play, um, everyone did their job. Everyone had a responsibility, and they they knocked it out. And, and sometimes that's all it takes in football is a good, disciplined football team doing their job. And uh, and they'll either give a, a really good team hell or they'll, they'll come through and they'll upset you. And I, I said I said on the show uh, when we talked about this last is there have been crazier upsets. And, uh, and Michigan should be definitely on notice before that game. And they, uh, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't play their best. And the, the quarterback, yeah, he had some struggles. I think he got a little worked up after his first turnover. And his, his his mind wasn't in the right place after that. He, he he forced balls in a heavy rain, which he shouldn't have done. If anything, he should have just thrown it away. Um, and and then there you go, man. You can't you can't turn the ball over five times in your own territory, regardless of what the other team does. They're just playing a field position game. They're going to keep you in your own zone or your own end of the field. I mean, and uh, and you, you can't score from back there. Not not in that kind of weather. Not in that kind of condition. And uh, and they just kind of spiraled out. And then when the Spartans really had to make some plays at the end, they got a couple big first downs, and uh, and that killed a lot of clock. And that that's what ultimately did it. And look, you made a bunch of good points, Joe. I just want to say one more thing. I was being a dick with Gerard, and I was kind of just that's kind of the way I deal with when I get losing anything. But um, in all seriousness, no, you guys made some good points in the, on the Michigan State side, the discipline, and uh, being better than we thought, and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, I think. The bigger fact, in my opinion at least, is is what happened on the Michigan spectrum. You know, you got – I made the point for my case of them winning is, um, you know, a team coming in with Coach Harbaugh, a coach like Harbaugh getting paid $9 million a year, coming off a bye, going against a team that they're supposed to beat. Um, and coming out with a performance like that I think is the bigger story. It's a bigger program. Um, they just – they didn't show up after a bye week with a, with a top-tier coach and top-tier talent, superior talent, and – I think that is just uh, pretty devastating. But well, like, like Jerry said, it was a while ago. 
Let's think of it this way, too, though. We said at the very beginning of the year, Michigan's a young team. And, uh, I mean, at least compared to last year, they lost, like, what, like 50,000 seniors? Yeah, they're, uh, all, they're all, all the, the pros. Summer. They're all pros. I mean, they lost that's, 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 uh, 11 on defense, so. I mean, I mean they, they might they might be, you know, maybe sophomores and juniors out there, but they're first-year starters. And there's a lot of experience yeah. to be had this season. And, and I honestly, I, I think next year's Michigan team, if they fix that quarterback situation, it could be a scary football team next year. I honestly couldn't agree with you more about it being a young team. And, I mean, these are the growing pains you're going to face. And now the people around here are just saying, oh, ever since the state lost, oh, we're an 8-14. and 14. This is what an 8-14 and 14 look like. You get blown out by your Penn States. And that's, I mean, even when state was going 8-4, and four, we were still going down to the shoe and putting on good games and stuff like that. It's just the wow. attitude of these uh, the fans that really upsets me. It's not the team. I, I thought Michigan was going to look like the way they Take do this Take it easy, year. though. Tony made a good little and, point. He doesn't make very many good points, but he made a good point. you got a game coming up in about two hours, brother. Yeah. You don't start talking. Don't start oh, barking if you too loud. If you want to get into that, Speaking we of barking, Barkley's about to be doing a helicopter dance all day. All right, all right. See, you know, I, li- I like that, Tony. But you know what? State dropped one last, good too. last week they one, shouldn't dude. have. State dropped one to Northwestern. Their offense looked horrible after LJ Scott had another crucial fumble. But you know what? I, unlike other state fans that might say, well, we beat Michigan. Let's move to basketball season, and we'll see in the Buffalo Wild Wing Bowls. I want Penn State. I think we can beat them. I think that we shut down Iowa's run game. I think we shut down Michigan's run game. And I think that given the right conditions, we can do some things to Penn State. Last year, we got 14 nothing on them early, and then they blew us out. But now we're at home. We're in Spartan Stadium, Beast Lansing. And I think we have, we're have we definitely going to cover the spread, and I got us winning by a field goal. Brother, me and, yeah. you, were, we, me and you were sitting right next to each other in Columbus watching yeah. that Michigan-Penn State game. That's a different animal. I know you're at home, so I'll give you a little bit of a shot, but it ain't going to be pretty. Go ahead, Joe. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just gonna. I, I gotta wonder where Penn State's heads are at right now. Uh, the way they lost to Ohio State was pretty brutal last week. Oh yeah, where they were they were up, but they were up by a pretty decent That's a good margin. Point. That's a good to point. Where they should they, they should have stayed on pace and, and kind of kept it rolling. But Ohio State came back, beat them in beat them in a a, um, a brutal fashion. So uh, you gotta you gotta wonder where Penn State's head at. You know, what I mean, do they want some? They want some revenge. Do they want to take it out on Michigan State. Or are they kind of sitting there feeling sorry for themselves? And if they are, uh, Michigan State's not going to feel sorry for anybody. You know what I mean? They're 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 a blue collar team that's got to really scratch and claw through every game, and because uh, they they just don't have a Saquon Barkley, they don't have a uh, like a quarterback. Uh, I can't remember his name at Penn uh, State. McSorley. McSorley. Yeah, they don't. You know what I mean? So they they got to They have to. Like I said, they have to have that discipline, responsible football game. And I think I think they're going to be ready to go. They're going to be at home. They they know what they got uh, over there in East Lansing. They got a they got a great coach. And uh, if Penn State isn't isn't set, you know, it doesn't have their mind on bloodthirsty revenge. Uh, they're they're going to go to East Lansing and get beat. It, it can happen. Yeah, that's I agree with what you're saying. Like either there's two ways Penn State season goes from here after that disappointing loss. They either end up finishing with maybe three losses, go to New Year's Day Bowl, Capital One Bowl, something like that, have fun, party. Fuck a lot of girls, or they turn it around and they just start dominating people. How Ohio State has, you know, they just start absolutely punishing teams, running them to the ground, trying to get back in the top four. The fact of the matter is, Ohio State did it because they have Urban Meyer and they have a super good team. They have a lot of talent out there, but they're also they were the youngest team last year. They're still young, but they got some good hitters out there. And since Ohio State got beat by Oklahoma, they look like a totally different team. I didn't believe it until I see, saw them beat Penn State. The fact of the matter is, 
Penn State might not be who we thought they were. Saquon Barkley is the truth, but they have some holes out there, and I think Michigan State can exploit them. Nope. I, I think you guys both made some good points, man. You know, college football is not my forte. I, I do the best I can, but you guys made some pretty good points there. But, I mean, I, I, on the notes here, I do have, um, in general, the games itself. But, I mean, in general, where do you guys think these two teams are going to be going? I, I mean, I think all roads lead to the – I mean, there's a kind of a fight for the second of the uh, top four, the third, third and fourth spot. But, I mean – I mean, basically, Good what bowl you're, games, you're looking maybe? at is uh, if Michigan can keep rolling, Michigan State can keep rolling. We might see them both play on uh, like Jan one bowls, not uh, great bowls. You can might play the the early one, the Outback bowls that day. I don't know if they still call it that. And then you got like the uh, Capital ones in the afternoon on Jan one. But Michigan State, essentially, you're looking at losing the next two games. Worst case scenario, Penn State, and uh, you got to go down to the shoe. You're probably gonna get blown out. But then you got two easy games in Maryland and Rutgers. You can finish nine and three. Nine and three is what they were when they went to the Capital One Bowl under Kirk Cousins and got beat by uh, Georgia. Maybe or was that Bama? Can't remember. I believe all right, Bama. all right. Let's not. Georgia, and then same, same thing for Michigan. Michigan, they can. I'm not calling Peters any Messiah the way they are around here, saying, "Oh, if he would have been in, we would have won everything this year." Well, it was Rutgers because yeah, because it was Rutgers. But Peters definitely looks more comfortable in the pocket than O'Corn. But I still do trust Harborough a little bit. And I think what he thought in O'Corn was he had a better chance to win. And until you get blown out by a Penn State and you have those two losses, you can't go to a younger guy because you really don't know. He's not battle-tested. You know what O'Corn gives you. He's a constant, you know? Constant bum. He is a constant bum. That's really unfortunate. But so Michigan can turn this around. They end up only losing. The, I mean, they got to go to Wisconsin and two. So let's worst case scenario, eight and four. Best case, nine and three. If we just Wait, that's today. That's no, today, no, they're no, in, they're no, in, no, uh, it's way later in the season. I'm just talking about uh, the hard games. I think the best case scenario for Michigan, I mean, I, yeah, nine and three. But I'm saying you you turn around, you get, I mean, you guys, with Michigan State, you said you go to a decent bowl game. You guys beat Michigan. That's good. You yeah. beat Michigan. That's good for you. You go into Ohio, or you get Ohio State to come to you, right? Or is it at Ohio State? It's at, it's at Ohio State. At Ohio State. You go to Ohio State, you get a you get a victory against your rival. You, you, you mess things up for Ohio State and maybe do a favor, a, do a solid towards a team like Penn State. Um, play spoiler. I mean, what else can you do? The past is the past. You know, you win a rivalry game one or two, saves a little face for Harbaugh. You know how the sick oh no, of, Michigan. You know how the sick of fans are. In. If you beat if you beat Ohio State, you know how these fans are. They'll, everything will be forgotten. Oh, yeah, no. and all roads will lead to no, the you're, you're, young players towards next year. And Harbaugh made a revival, and the narrative. I'm will sorry, Frank. I thought you were talking about where's the Michigan State Ohio State game. The um, it's at Michigan, right? No, the Michigan State Ohio State game is at Ohio State. No, Michigan. Michigan. That's what I'm saying. I made a mistake when I said it earlier. Would you let me clarify? Go ahead. Michigan has Ohio State at home, and I was trying to agree with you that they, if they can pop them at the end of the season, even if they lost at Wisconsin, if they can rally pop them the way Michigan State popped Michigan season, I mean, Penn State still doesn't win the tiebreaker. Ohio State will still win the Big Ten, but it keeps Ohio State out of the top four. It keeps a lot of the goals out of them. You have something to look forward to with a young team moving forward. And I think the outlook for both these teams is generally bright. After last year, some people said State was done. They'll never be good again. Michigan finally, you know, is going to win 10 in a row. The fact of the matter is Michigan State proved this year they're here to stay. This is a rally cry year, and next year they should peak. Same way with Michigan. They're young. It might be next year or the year after they're at their peak, but they both – our stacks are going up. You know what I mean? Stacks for both teams in the state are on the rise. So you just said what I said, but not as smooth. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing <laughs> well, you. I included you both. should have seen the look on his face. I'm just teasing you. Yeah, I, you make a good point. I think they're both. The stock is both up. You guys want to talk anything else about college football? Tony's How on his phone. Play today? 
Yeah, Michigan plays Minnesota at 7.30 tonight on Fox. Oh, yeah, this, they're Fox. doing the whole night game thing. They should blow them out. Man. They give up huge holes in the run game. State, without two fumbles in the game, would have been up by about 40. Uh, Michigan big. Michigan State by a... I would say by a field goal, but their kicker missed two easy ones last week that cost them the game. So I'm going to say Michigan by uh They're going to block up extra point or something creepy. I got Michigan pretty big. I got State losing by uh, double digits. Joe? I got... Uh... This is for you, Gerard. I got State pulling off the upset by seven, and I got I got Michigan winning big, and then I got uh, Notre Dame winning. Uh, I don't care how. Oh yeah, sorry, we forgot. Yeah, about Notre no, Dame no, no. I was, I was just gonna jump in and surprise them. We well, we've been talking about all this Michigan, Michigan State stuff. We normally lead with the best of the programs, and as it turns out, Notre Dame is actually killing it this year. Because the only loss is to the number one team in the college playoff, Georgia, and they lost by like a point, I believe, right? Yeah, it was a point, and uh, I think when they look at the game, it could have gone either way. If, if our left tackle doesn't miss a block, uh, we could have kept that drive alive and won the game. Um, it was at a really, really – because after the strip sack, I mean, they just need it out. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, no, so, the, the one thing – um, the only thing I will say is Georgia's biggest test this year was Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's biggest test was Georgia. So that's I don't like when those are how you compare them. I like to see them against somebody else. But Notre yeah. Dame's in a stretch of ranked opponents. And even if I don't think NC State was good, and I don't think USC is very good, they're dominating these teams physically and mentally, and they're playing how I've never seen them play before. And I think their running back has like four consecutive games or five with an over 70-yard touchdown run, which is just yep. ridiculous. So I, mean, I think they, I think the biggest thing isn't necessarily that NC State was a, a killer, but their defense, their run defense was super super good. So it was the fact that Notre Dame put up 300 yards on a on a defense that hadn't given up over 100 yards to any rusher all year. Uh, that that was what caught a lot of people's eye. Yeah, yeah. It was it was, it was strength versus strength, and, and Notre, Notre Dame took it to them. So man, it, it it's still a long way. It's it, we got four games left. Wake Forest today. Um, next week could be could be a showdown with Miami, who's undefeated right now. Um, so we're hope, we're hoping that Miami stays undefeated till next weekend, and then we we can go take it from them. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens, man. It's it, we still got a long way to go. We got we're at Stanford at the very end of the year, so I think that that's like our biggest. That's my that's my biggest scare. I think is at Stanford because it's like if we make it that far, it's like that final pinnacle. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is. I mean, the fact of the matter is you're a way better team than Stanford. I don't think Stanford's that great, but at the end of the day, you're going across the coast. That's just literally set up like how when Pitt beat West Virginia about 10 years ago now. You know, that's just a trap game. I just wanted to mm-hmm. let Joe know, though. I, I truly hope now that it's all over for Michigan, essentially, uh, I truly hope for your sake that Notre Dame has some success, but I do want to warn you, I hope that whatever that it is that they're doing over there that's shady, I hope they get away with it because you know something's going on. But I hope I hope they get away with it. And it doesn't get busted, and I hope they get away with whatever antics they're pulling and the corruption that it is. Chip Kelly, so Brian Kelly, Brian, Brian Kelly, both well, of, both Chip, of them. Chip Kelly's actually. not even our coach, so yeah. Okay, well, no, there's no there's no corruption. Man. Well, that, it won't get found. I hope for your sake, but Honestly, good for them. No, no offense. What, what corruption going it's, on? We've talked it's, about it all. We talk game. about it all the time. They're you know. The, I think this is more of a. Dog. They've dropped their character level quite no, a bit. Nothing, nothing ever, nothing like that ever happens at Michigan now. No, not this year. Not good enough. No, I wish, one, I wish they were. The one thing I will say <laughs> is this year overall, I think is kind of a more down year in college football, and it's a good chance for Notre Dame to seize the opportunity. You don't have a team that looks like world beaters with a Deshaun Watson 
at Clemson or you don't have Bama just looking totally dominant. I mean, they have been dominant, but you don't even see their highlights. I'll say Bama looks pretty dominant. Yeah, but you, they, they literally <laughs> haven't played anybody. What's Florida State? they two and 2-5. Their best winnings because they beat Florida State. Yeah, I don't think Alabama's going anywhere, brother. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, Georgia no, I mean, looks sweet, but... I mean, I'm disagreeing with you. I think oh. they're good. No, uh, <laughs> They're I mean, killing I'm, not, I'm just saying there's some years where yeah, like, but they're playing scrubs. When they had Blake Sims and Derrick Henry, you knew it was over. You know that game one, it was them. We're going to beat everybody. But you don't have like a Marcus Mariota or like a Jameis Winston right now in college football. So there's a lot of openings, and Notre Dame can really seize an opportunity this year if they keep their heads on straight and don't lose an easy one or something like that. Well, real, real quick, while you say that, I think it's been kind of disappointing in that sense because Sam Darnold was supposed to be the, the gunslinger this year. And everyone's saying he's going to go number one overall in the draft, but that dude, he's got turnovers. I mean, he, he sucks. He, he can't. He can't throw the ball to his own team to save his life. I mean, they they still blow out a, a few teams over there in the Pac-12, but geez, oh, Pete's man, uh, he he had three he had three turnovers against the Irish. Yeah, you know how much I hate uh, Notre. Well, I don't really hate Notre Dame except for them playing state. But I'm not a big fan of Notre Dame, but I hate USC more, and I'm so glad they blew him out. I'm really happy for you, Joe. Appreciate it. All right, enough of that. We got to move on. Time is uh, time is a ticking. Bum, bum, um, bum, bum. So again, a lot to cover in a short amount of time, but we're gonna we're gonna cover it all. Lions and Packers, um, both teams with a lot going on, and both, to say the least, have uh, had their struggles in different ways. The Lions just can't put an offense together. Uh, they've lost three in a row: the Panthers, the Saints, and the Steelers. I was at the Steelers game Sunday. Hopefully, we can, I'll get to that when we make the rounds. Um, the Packers, man, everyone's heard about it by now. It's it's the the hit heard around the world. Uh, I don't call it questionable what some do. Rodgers out for the year, um, and they also got a game coming up this Monday night. Uh, Monday night, despite the Lions' losses um, three in a row, when it comes to the, the the sake of the division, this game is huge. By by you know if if they can beat the Packers without Rodgers, not only does that advance them a game by winning, it puts them up almost two by beating the division rival who they're competing with. Um, huge game, national stage. Everyone's going to be watching. I'm excited for it, but you can't um, you can't ignore the struggles for both teams that led up to this point. So we can cover that, and also we can make a prediction for the game that's coming up. And um, I haven't lost hope. What about you, Gerard? Um, I predict the Lions were, in a pl- we're gonna win a playoff game this year, but they got to rally now. You know, if they don't, whoever loses this game, their se- season's pretty much done. I mean. It, essentially, essentially, your season's I, over. I mean, I think the moment Rogers' collarbone broke, the season was over. I thought this was going to be a special season for the Packers. Rogers was looking better, their offense was clicking, and then some young guys making plays on defense. I'm not saying they would have won everything, but they might have made another conference title game. Um, fact of the matter is, for the Lions, their offense has looked uh, how do you say it? Slow, molasses-like. It doesn't always seem like it's clicking. They have drops, and well, they don't completely finish. inept. Hey, man. They don't finish. Hey man, I got I got Prater on fantasy, so they can kick field goals all day, man. I was loving it last week. Oh yeah, I do too. Prater but... was the highest scoring player on my team last week. Dude, I was down I was down forty nine points in fantasy, and Prater got me back into it. And then Monday Night Football came back and won. Nice. But it was because nice. of Matt Prater, the most unlikely source of points. The fact of the matter is, Good. I don't like overreacting to stuff too much, and losing Sunday Night Football isn't that bad. In the sense that the Steelers look like maybe world beaters this year. You know, they might take it all the way and win the Super Bowl. The, oh, um, whoa. I'll keep going. Go ahead. Well, it's also, the other I losses mean, you got to worry about. The, the other thing is they beat the Vikings, so that's good for them to have yeah, in their corner. The that's what I was going to say is if the Lions can win tomorrow night, their whole season's back on track because now they'll have two wins against the two guys in the division they played. Yep. Good which, job. 
wins in division are huge. Damn right, Tony. We Keep talk going. about it all the time. And that's yeah, Steelers, and the division. thing with the Steelers game that really still bugs me is they left points on the field multiple times. Oh yeah. Because they went for it on fourth down. Because they didn't trust their defense, even though their defense was doing a pretty good job of stopping them there towards the end. Or getting stuffed in the goal line. And that's the thing, is if you would have just taken those points, then instead of Stafford having to drive down the field for two quick scores at the end, you could have literally been looking at Stafford just trying to drive down the field for a game-winning field goal. Which we know Matt Prater would have hit. Tony, I'll tell you what. I was there, and it was yeah. it was just brutal. It was brutal. But I, I just want to say something about the Lions, so that gives me hope. That's why I said that they have hope, or I have hope for them. Uh, they've, they've lost these games. If you look at them just real briefly – in in sing, in the singular form, you got this, uh, the the Carolina game, which is the, the game that we predicted that when we last did a show, and uh, we all thought I think we all were unanimous, which we jinxed it because Tony said if, if we all pick it, they usually lose. But that game, you know, they didn't show up very well, but they showed some resiliency, almost fought back. Stafford was banged up; he's tough as nails. We lose that game. You go to the New Orleans game; it's just a crazy game, but they almost had a thirty-five. I mean, they just never quit. They come almost have a, a historic comeback, but they still lose. No excuses, but they didn't quit. And then you look at this Pittsburgh game. Jerry called them world beaters. I wouldn't go that far, but they are a good team. And you have this kind of cryptic defensive struggle, like we're not really getting anything done, but we're not really giving anything up either. Against a world beater, a 2015 game where you're leaving points on the field, that's fine. And you got a game the next week to make up for that shit against a team who doesn't have their starting quarterback. I agree with Gerard. If you don't go out and beat the Packers as Lions uh, without Aaron Rodgers, with the division on the line, essentially, you go to the shed. And we all know what that means. So you go to the shed if you don't win that game. But if you... In, uh, but you know, I'm th- not just going to go into the shed and put a bullet in my brain like what you're saying. I'm not going to do it. I'm, so I'm, I'm not, not yet. I'm not yet. But if what Tony says is true, there's still hope despite the three losses in a row. I'm still going to stick to my guns. There's got to be hope. It's got to change. What better opportunity than the national stage of Monday Night Football against a team without the best player in the world, some might say. Who has an offensive line almost as banged up as we do. Yeah, we're going to come out and we're going to win this yeah, game. We're going to come out and win this game. Some Packers, you can't even pick the some, Packers. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to get to that. The fact of the matter is the Lions, you ever heard of Lemony Schnicket's a series of unfortunate events? I don't believe in bad luck, but I do believe in unfortunate things happen in a row. Like after Rodgers beat the Cowboys, I went through a string of bad luck. My car mirror got blown off by a bus. Rogers broke his collarbone. And State lost Northwestern. Series of unfortunate events. Same thing happened to the Lions. They were 3-1 rolling. The Carolina game, you're going to have games like that during the season that you just drop. Like, that sucks. It happened. You're 3-2. You're going to New Orleans. New Orleans didn't play that great. Neither did. That was the weirdest game of football I ever watched. It was one of the most exciting, intelligently played. Like, all over. you see a good play, then a bad play. Like, we had a punt return for a touchdown. And then it was a circus. It was a circus. Return for a touchdown, and the guy drops it to the one yard line, and the Saints get the game ceiling pick six. Just like the Saints are trying to run the clock out, essentially, and Ashawn Robinson gets a pick six going the other way. It was a crazy game. So then you drop to three and three, and then what's unfortunate is your next game instead of like it could have been the Cleveland Browns coming in that Sunday, and you would have dominated them and won the game, got back on track on a four and three. Instead, you have the Steelers coming in, you have Sunday Night Football, and you lose. Now you're below 500, and you got to claw your way up. And your it sucks, gone. but 
the fact of the matter is Case Keenum's not going to keep rolling with the Vikings, I don't think. Like, the fact that how banged up they are and they're still winning is incredible to me. But they're playing some soft games. They just played the Browns. What, what, is, their, what is their record? What are they? Six and two. So you got some... They're catch- six and two? You got some catching up to do. Shit. But, I forgot. I thought they had five. Yeah, so you got some catching up to do. However, I don't see the Packers winning a game without Aaron Rodgers behind quarterback. Last time this happened, they broke his collarbone. Eddie Lacy was in his prime. They won one game in Dallas. And they managed to win the division at 8-7-1 or some bullshit like that. On a Rodgers, he hit a long pass to Randall Cobb in the game. The fact of the matter is, they have less talent on this team. They don't have near the running game. And Hundley, I mean, I can't even watch the guy out there. It upsets me. He was a fourth-round pick. He was supposed to be a solid backup. I don't think he is. I think the best thing the Packers can honestly do is go out there and just have fun and let him rip. and see what <laughs> You know what I mean? Just see what happens. I mean, probably throw like seven interceptions. So be it, and then you one, know, one, uh, get some good draft picks and look forward to the future. One one key note though for this game is is number one, it's at Lambeau Field, and two, the Packers just came off a bye week. Which, I, if any team needed a bye week, it was, it was the Green Bay Packers with the injuries and whatnot, and the, and the quarterback had to be the new the new starter for the year. Uh, you know, you you think about why starters are always ready to go and why they're so good and why when you throw a backup in there in emergencies is why they suck so bad. It's like, well, who, who got all the reps that week? You know what I'm saying? Who, who got all the attention? Who knows all the, who knows all the audibles? Who knows this, that, and the other with a backup? Uh, you know, they're, they're getting it. They, they got like the base of the playbook down, but they're, they're not getting all the attention. They're not getting all the chemistry with the receivers and the, and the, and the uh, starting offensive line. So uh, Hundley, he had two weeks to prepare. Uh, maybe now, he kind of starts to settle in a little bit. I, I don't know. It's just a little bit of speculation. Just Good trying point. to make yeah, a point. I but... and the defense even kept an in versus the Saints until the second half. But then, you know, a defense can't just be out there forever. You can't just keep going three and out. You need to sustain some drives, even if it's three first downs well, and a punt. You know? No, I agree. Galladay is going to – I think Galladay is coming back. It's going to be a big uh, – it's going to be a big addition. He's not coming back? I, I don't think so. He hasn't practiced all week. He had well, a setback. The the uh, the, the kid next to me at the Steelers game uh, that I was at or the Lions Steelers game but told me that he was but he was also um, special needs seriously but um, yeah that's what he told me that's what I was going by but we'll have to check into that but yeah. Galladay we need uh, the, the point that I was making with Gout is we can't score really man they're driving through the twenties and then bad things are happening you kind of brought up a little bit if we didn't get stopped. We'd kick the field goal instead. It's just like you damned if you do, and hindsight always sucks. There was a couple times where we left points out there that we should have, we should have took, and that we, uh, you know, we got screwed, man. We got screwed both ways. Is at the point that I'm making. It's hard coming out, but we just gotta, we gotta be able to put the ball in the end zone, not three points. I have need- Prater on my fantasy team too, by the way. I love when he kicks field goals, but I'll take some extra points. Okay, we got to score touchdowns. That's that's on Ebron if we don't. It's on Galladay. It's on the it's Marvin Jones. It's on Stafford. It's on the whole offense to score. I don't got to score. I mean, the good news. I think I said this before in here. I don't want players to ever look forward, but we can look forward as analysts and reporters and people in the media. At, look, they should win at Green Bay. Then you got Cleveland coming to town. That's a win. At Chicago, that should be a win. And then you get Minnesota coming in. You can rip off four in a that's row. Seven wins there. And then now you're seven and four. And then you go to Tampa Bay. That might be a loss, seven and five. No, that's eight. But then that's you finish eight. with Chicago, Cincinnati, and Green Bay again, unless Rodgers back. That's three more wins. That gets you to ten and six. That's a playoff. Yeah, you're right, Drive. We're gonna win out. You're right. I'm, I'm not. I mean, I'm just saying they can. No, I'm serious. They can get on that kind of roll, but they're in some kind of funk. I don't know if they started believing their own hype 
or it's just maybe they need a more motivator in the locker room than Caldwell, even though I think he's a decent coach. They're just in like a funk. You know, you're going to fuck in your own I don't room. think it's motivation. Well, one thing I'm hoping that they learn to correct over the bye is to cover a goddamn slot receiver. That That's what killed us in a lot of these games is they're not throwing it to their number one receivers bombing it down the field. Well, yeah, that's because you have Darius Slay manning up one-on-one. He's just Darius Slay's actually having a career year. Yeah, we have to hear Whitehead on some slot receiver, and he gets burned every goddamn play. Yeah, yeah, and that's unfortunate. I don't think at the defense of the resiliency is going to be a problem, guys. It's, it's going to be scoring. It's going to be scoring seven. We talk about two teams in the NFL on this podcast: as the Packers and the Lions, and only one outlook looks good. I agree. I, I I don't mean to be kick a player while they're down, literally, but I just think that without without Rodgers, this is a big game for the Lions, and it's going to change, make or break the season. And I think it's if Rodgers was drowning, you would step on his head. I'd throw him a barbell. <laughs> No, the fact of the matter is, we, earlier when you talked about a, a dirty hit or not, it's not necessarily a dirty hit. He didn't get fined. It's just it defines what kind of player the person who hits him. Most of the time, you just push the quarterback in the situation. Really, do you jump on him with all your body weight and drive him to the ground? Um, and that's just Anthony Barr. They're, they're not stupid. They know, like, it's the same reason why receivers don't want to get hit in the knees. They say, tackle me up high if you have to. I'd rather get a concussion than my knees blown out. Like, you know what you're doing out there. Anthony Barr knew what he was. He wasn't intentionally trying to put him out. Well, but he was dude, trying to he fuck damn him right up. he knew what he was and that's, doing. that's what you the defensive soft, goal Gerard. is. The fact of the matter is Rodgers needs to re- release that ball a little bit sooner and then hopefully get out of there. And I think he'll make the adjustments in the future. But long-term outlook, I'm talking over the next couple of years, the Packers haven't had a good draft pick in about 10 years, and now they're going to have one. And we might be able to get some studs and turn this around for the twilight of Rodgers' career. Hold up. I can't let you get off the hook with that 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 bit there. Um I agree with you on the draft, the draft part. But as far as the the hit, look, you're right. They do know what they're doing, but it wasn't a dirty hit. And if you want to talk about some things, Rodgers gets more calls than anybody. All right, he's up there with the callers. Look at some of the plays that Stafford's had. Okay, he's built like concrete. All right, no, you know what I want everybody to do this weekend or whenever you, next time you watch people roll out. Most of the time, the defensive ends or linebackers will just give a two handed shove after the ball is released and hit the guy to the ground. Really, do they wrap him up and land on him with their full body weight on a rollout? It's just unethical. It's not dirty. <laughs> it's, not a, it's unethical. There was no flag. If anyone's going to get a flag, it would have been Rodgers, and he didn't get it. I think it's that not says dirty. something. It's not I think it says something. It's unethical. Unethical. It's like just going for a receiver's oh, no. knees. It's the same thing. I don't know, man. You lost me on that one. I don't subscribe to that, but I guess... It's in a moral gray area, is what he's saying. And I'll wrap it up with this. That's my last thing about this, the Packers thing. Is I said it on the last podcast. The one thing that I was maybe even somewhat right about, I was wrong about everything else, but um, is that, dude, you know, I'm sorry, but it was going to catch up. Rodgers is out there winning every single damn game for him, carrying the whole team. He's not invincible. He's close. But he's not, and we saw it, man. He rolled out. He got a nice little, he got tagged, and he's done for the year, man. He I can't do it you. all. He I can't do it all. So they better use those draft picks and and get him some help because we're moving on, and you guys are going back. I so. mean, we're for they. I mean, I can see how they can turn around if Brett Hundley can somehow start doing like anything offensively because Aaron Jones actually looks like a bright spot in the running game. Yeah. I just have never seen, and never, I don't think I ever will see anything. I, I hope I'm wrong. You know me. I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I consider myself a realistic optimist, but I don't see anything with Hunley that points me in a positive direction for the season. Water's wet, fire burns, Rodgers, no Rodgers, no playoffs for the Packers. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts on that, Joe? Anybody? Or are we going to move on to the third third segment? No, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's push. Okay, so tonight, in about 8 to 10 hours... 
Live in uh, Madison, Live. Madison Square Garden. Madison UFC Square 217. Garden. Now, look, we, we, we make fun of Tony, uh, and I make fun of myself for being UFC fans because some of the cards don't live up to the hype or a lot of people don't know. But this is truly one of the ones where I'm not saying just watch it by yourself and spend 60 bucks. but this is one of the ones if you don't have any plans and if you're not going to be getting laid, even if you are, you can get laid after. You, uh, you, you get together with your boys. Well, if you buy the fights, you can get laid while you watch them. Well, if you're in the privacy of your own uh, home, you just throw down with your boys. You get some pizza, or you get you know get some get some beers. Whatever I, you want. I pop the brakes. There's something a little freaky, Tony, about you wouldn't watch two men with those shirts on fighting to get you hard to have sex with a woman. Something tells me Tony's something gotten dumb while me. watching UFC before. I'm, that's all I'm saying. But let me let me get. Ain't no wrong with a it. gentleman does not kiss and tell. I'm just saying, be honest with yourself. You does know what Tony, I mean? Does Tony get off on George St. Pierre? Probably. And I think, I think he, he likes the little do. guys. I think he's more of a Cody Garbrandt I'm open type. to anything, but... <laughs> he likes the little fellas. He's like Somebody the, can dominate. He likes the lightweights. Yeah, somebody can kind of rough up, but even though he would get roughed up. But anyways, I don't know how we got into all that, but... Um, so, anyways, this is a card you don't want to miss is the point. You throw down, you pay your money, or you stream it with your fire stick. Do whatever you got to do, but this is one you don't want to miss because literally... I mean, Johnny Hendricks is a name that some people might know, but besides the first fight, which is Johnny Hendricks... Um, every fight is sweet. Names that everyone here knows, which is rare. Everyone on this podcast and most of our listeners. You got Wonder Boy going against Masvidal. That's the worst fight, basically. Then you got um, the the two women going for the uh, straw weight. Joanna, Joanna Janjacek and Rose Namajunas. Boom. And then you got TJ Dillashaw versus Cody Garbrandt, which has been the ultimate <laughs> fighter. This has been an ongoing beef that got delayed for way too long. That's going to be sick. The best fight on the card, in my opinion. And then you got Bisbing and GSP's return. Everybody knows GSP. Title fight. Three title fights. It's going to be sick. I can't wait. I think we should just just riff about it a little bit, make some predictions, and not not get too far into it because I know we don't have that many UFC fans, but it's definitely worth talking about, and I will be watching. What's crazy is I almost feel like I need a time machine for the final fight. If you told me in 2017, I mean, I think we were in high school when GSP was dominating. I know I was in my uh, dorm still in um, Michigan State, so that had to yeah. be about eight years ago. Yeah, and that was back when uh, we were in college was when GSP was just kicking ass. Yeah. Dude, we can admit our age. I just fucking turned 30, goddammit. All right. Anywho, thanks for interrupting. But yeah, uh, you get, get the time machine for that one. But I agree with Frank. The most exciting fight, I think, is Garbrandt versus Dillashaw because you have two guys that generally have a dislike for each other that are a little bit different in styles. Garbrandt can seriously bang and throw hands. And Dillashaw just is, if you look at him, you can tell he's the type that'll two leg you and just keep fucking grinding down on you till you're so tired you'd eventually give up. You can take the big traps, you know, just wide lats. Wow. I, I just got a quick question for Gerard. For, for the time machine, are you using a DeLorean or a phone booth? Um, I'm strictly DeLorean when it comes to time machines. Yeah, okay. I got to go with the dock on this I one. I only too. go to 888 miles per hour. I don't get in a phone phone booth. Bill, I mean, Bill and Ted had a good time. I mean, they, they passed their history report with the phone booth, man. I, I agree. Actually, yeah, I, I want to go in the phone booth. <laughs> I agree, but um, <laughs> I think we're getting a little off track. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're just talking about the specs of it. The DeLorean is a great car, how the doors open up, docks the man. You know, Michael J. Fox bangs a lot of hot girls. You know, it's the dream. Well, he used to when he had balls. He, what, true, he lost his balls. He had testicular cancer. What? Are we not talking about the damn show or whatever? Let's move Eddie, on. back to UFC. <laughs> we're so off track right now. We're way I, off track. The other thing, the J-Check, what is it, Nama Mama is her name? Nama Jama? Nama Yunus? Yeah, <laughs> Na- 
<laughs> Nama Yunus, we know what we're going to see there, so it's not as exciting to me. But What are we going to see? How long? We're just going to see her throw a bunch of punches in that girl's face. And she can't, she doesn't have knockout power for five rounds. They're going to seriously fuck each other's faces up. And it kind of is going to disturb me, but kind of turn me on at the same time. So, you know, there's that thing I got to deal with with my psychiatrist. Well. <laughs> but, uh. Take that, take that to the street. Then we'll fast Wednesday. forward to the horny stuff and we'll see uh, Dillashaw versus uh, Garbrandt, which I think will be the best. And then at the top, we're just going to see something that we've always wanted to see. GSP might get his belt back. And Biz being two guys who are almost eligible for AARP. Not you guys don't have to comment on it, but the fact of the matter is, Biz being beat Rockhold severely, and then he's defended his title once against an aging Dan Henderson, and somehow kept it mostly because right when it happened, I said there is a lot of problems in that division because of people using steroids. There's not really a number one contender, so he's been able to hold on the belt for like three years now, but. If we're going predictions, I got GSP, J Check, and Wonder Boy in the early fight. Okay, go ahead, Tony. We'll all just we'll just do what Jerry did, just kind of yeah. like break it down. I mean, I definitely think Rose Nami Yunus has a chance. She's a great fighter. She keeps improving every time she's out there. Um I will agree with Jerry though that Jan Jacek will take it. Uh Wonder Boy I think will beat Masvidal, especially because Masvidal is the type of fighter who likes to come forward. And that's where Wonder Boy can just sit there and pick him apart with his karate. Uh, the Garbrandt Dillashaw. Uh, this is a tough one for me. Cause, uh, Why is it tough for you, Tony? What makes it tough? Because of the fact that TJ Dillashaw is one of the best fighters in that division, for sure. He, I would hope. I mean, he's beat some of the... He's beat Hen and Barrow... He, the only guy he's lost to is Dominic Cruz, who he just couldn't like figure out, and he knows Garbrandt really well from training with him. Of course, I think Garbrandt's added more tools to the toolbox, and my heart wants Garbrandt to win this. And usually, when my heart wants something, it usually is how it ends up going the other way, which is why I have trouble picking this fight because. All right, Tony. Since you can't get the decision, you Are think you about it. Make a pick. But uh, the one thing I will say is. In this division, Dominic Cruz had a reign of terror for a long time. And I was he was literally just taking Team Alpha Male, Uriah Faber, my boys, team down, and Uriah Faber. And you know what? He took down Dillashaw, I believe, right? They fought? Down yes, he beat Dillashaw. Very questionable, though. Yeah, it was a close split decision. Dillashaw is a hell of a fighter, and I actually do respect the man. But I want Garvin to win because he's the person who dethroned Dominic Cruz. The fact of the matter is, I think it's an extremely equal fight. Two different styles, like I said. Wrestler, hands man. But let's go Garbrandt. Tony, one word. Make a pick. Garbrandt, fuck Team Snake in the grass. All okay. right. Uh, send it out to Seattle. Joe seems to be, uh, I don't know what he's doing. Oh, and I think uh, GSP will just uh, take down uh, Big Bing and grind it out like he normally does for the decision win. Dude. Oh, my. I can't wait to go. Go ahead, Joe. Well, uh, we're talking about fighting and some videos just got posted in my brother's jiu-jitsu tournament, so... Uh, I, was, I, was, I was checking it out. Um, sorry. Anyways, good, I think good for uh, Stanley, first place. Good job. Shout out. I th- yeah, good job, Stan. I think I think uh, GSP. Um, I, I don't know, man. He's been out of the game for a long time, and, and Bisping's still been pretty active. It, you, you you can train it. You talk about it all the time. Guys retire, and they say, "Oh yeah, I feel stronger. I feel better than ever." It's like, "Well, yeah, man. You haven't gotten your face pounded in, and." Uh, you know, eight years. I mean, you, of course you feel great. You you showed up in a couple movies and you 
you've been living the good life. You know, no, no wonder you feel fucking great. You know what I'm saying? Like competition is where most guys get injured. Um, and, and so we'll, we'll see Bisping, uh, he's been, he's still, he's been in the game this whole time. He's, he's been getting his work in. And so I think, I think Bisping will, will take it, uh, just based off the fact that he, he should not be rusty when it comes to competition. Sweet. Um, I, all right, I got a lot to say, but I'll make it. I'll make it concise. But as far as the, the women go, I I am actually really interested to see this because you see two totally different um, approaches. You got the Polish, the Polish laser focused champion. She's going to break um, Ronda Rousey's record, and then you got Rose, who just doesn't even want to talk to the media hardly. You know, you kind of wonder if she's. You know, she's got talent. You wonder if she's mentally stable enough to keep it together for a championship fight. But um, I'm just curious. I think I think that my Polish girl will take it down and would uh, and win the record or at least tie it. I think she's going to tie it or break it. Um, so that's that. As far as the TJ and Cody fight go, man, I'm not going to dance around too much, even though I can see why Tony did because they both are really freaking good. I think Dillashaw is going to take it, man. Jerry made a good point, but that, there's a reason. Your team snake in the grass. I'm team. Well, I don't call it that, man. But. Uh, I like No Love. I thought at first I didn't like him, but um, I got to know him a little more. I follow him closely, and I do like him. But as far as just the fight goes inside the octagon, I think Dillashaw left for a reason. I think he's expanded his game. I think he's a smarter fighter. Um, I don't see him getting knocked out. I think that uh, he's going to – not just a wrestler like Jerry said. I think he's just good at uh, figuring out his opponent and doing what they're not so good at and just beating him, um, beating him by wit. I think it's. I just hope it goes a while. I hope it's a good fight, but I think that Dillashaw is going to win. That's my opinion. I won't go any further because we're up on, on time. And then, as far as the main event goes, man, I'm kind of with Joe. GSP. He's been gone for four years, and you made something in your point, Tony. Like he's going to take him down and grind it out like he always does. That's a. That's nice to say, but that's four years ago. That's four yeah, years. Yeah, but he's ago. been in the gym and training. Well, he's still. been in the gym, but he's been surrounded, in my opinion, by yes men. Okay, if I you know get in there against guys, I can bully or just you know tell them what to do. Kind of, I'm sure he's been pushing hard. No doubt, he's got work ethic. But there's a difference between in that cage and uh, in, in the gym. And I think that Bisbing, he's got a very limited shelf life left. He was fortunate to become the champion, like Jerry said, getting that getting that Rockhold win. You know, Dan Henderson's a legend, but it's just you know it went five rounds and he is aging. But um, I think Bisbing, he's, okay, he's got good. T- hold on, let me finish and then you can go. He's got good takedown defense. I think he can get up from the takedowns if they come. I think he can outstrike him. I think he's bigger, which a lot of people know and mentioned. He's a lot bigger, man. He's a lot bigger than him. And um, he's, his conditioning's never been questioned. And I think he can grind it out, man. I see it going I see it going longer than people might think, maybe four, five rounds, even to a decision. But I think Bisbing's going to yeah, win. Yeah, no, Frank, I oddly understand exactly what you're saying. I think the truth, I think there's... In any argument, there's your side, their side, and the truth. And I think the truth in this is because I don't really, have, I want to see either one win or either one lose. Bisping, we have no idea what he's going to do. He hasn't fought in a long time, and GSP taking four years off. We honestly have no idea how this fight's going to go. Like we don't have a style to. Like GSP cannot come out and do what he used to do. There's no way he's four years older, and Bisping can't just go out there and brawl. Like it's cool. It was he- only eleven months. Jerry, you gotta remember before that eleven months. Now, I don't mean to interrupt. I'm just saying before that eleven months, he took out Anderson Silva. Yes, he did. He went on a little bit of a run, and then he yeah. took Luke Rockhold. But, he's been fighting. Yeah, yeah. Rockhold's but, not exactly like a signature win. I'm just saying yeah, that well, like he's one of the best fighters in the world. It's really hard to predict what's going to happen with this fight. I just hope it's ex- exciting and doesn't look like a preview of. 
a nursing home brawl or something Well, Bisbing like that. won't. If it's on anyone's part, it won't be Bisbing making it boring. Yeah, because that's what... um. Really? Dana White said was that... It'd be GSP. He's going to try to just double leg him and freaking suffocate him. Okay, and what's Bisbing's style? He's a point fighter. He sits there and tries to sit on the outside and pepper you with his jab, win on the judges' scorecards, and he doesn't... I mean, yeah, he knocked out Rockhold. That's the one time I've seen him actually go after somebody. I thought the I Anderson think you Silva's, just don't like Bisbee yeah, the fighter, I think he, Tony. I'm not sure what why you happen to like GSP, man. He's so robotic and uh, stoic. I don't really get the the draw. Honestly, the only reason why I liked handsome? GSP back in the day he was because I, I lost bets, always betting against Al Anderson Silva, and I always made my money back that night on... Uh, I mean, these are bets for candy, not money, so it's not illegal. But <laughs> I always bet on uh, GSP later in the night on the next fight card to get my candy back, so... <laughs> That's why I like GSP, but I think I respect both these guys. They're both got to be pushing forty, you know. Bisbing's a, like a true warrior. He was a stepping stone for years at two hundred five. He took his, he got his belt, and that's sweet for him. And it's sweet that GSP has such a reputation. You mean one eighty five? Come straight back into a title fight. And I think the fact of the matter is, if the USC was, do, if the UFC was doing better, he wouldn't be allowed that shot. But they're kind of struggling for draws right now. And this is a big draw. Like everybody want to want anybody. Well, Ronda, la- Ronda lost. Uh, Connor's been doing his thing. Yep. And GSP's the guy who walked away. Uh, basically, when it looked like he might be starting to taper off a little bit, but also you have to remember the guy who he looked like he tapered off against was Johnny Hendricks, who's probably one of the few guys who had better wrestling than him in the UFC. Well. And I, I did want to say, even though a lot of people might think, oh, a GSP comeback, and it, it, it does add to this card because it's a fucking huge card. But, um, you know, th- this polls have shown, like, that there's been a number of polls that the Garbrandt Dillashaws was really Yeah, yeah, I don't get how oh, that's yeah, Garbrandt Dillashaw headliner. They, did, they kind of missed a little bit. It's still going to do good because, because you of can't that. Have they GSP, missed with GSP, though. You can't have GSP not be the No, main no, I understand, event. but I'm just saying from a marketing standpoint, if we're going to get off the sport a little bit, just marketing, you could throw GSP Bisping on any fight card and make it huge. Garbrandt Dillashaw in Madison Square Garden, that's that has, so you have two draws. What you did was you combined them. And I think it's sweet. As a fan, I think it's cool for me. But as a business move, it might not be the smartest. I get timey-wise because now your next big one a couple months down the line would probably be McGregor, Diaz, or whatever. We're not getting into that. But um, Sure. You put, if you put Wonder Boy and Masvidal on a main, main event, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to stream it. I'm not going to go buy it. I'm going to stream it. Oh, you could, easily, you could easily say that that fight, which will be the second fight. Second fight. And I got That you Wonder see Bo- on or, the main card yeah, I got him, could easily be the headliner on a Fox Sports yeah, yeah. 1 card. Oh, yeah. And I'm picking yeah. Wonder Boy for that. Yeah. I'm, picking I'm just hoping in that fight, I'd be really disappointed if I just see it, like, them dick around for, like, two and a half rounds and then a, a, a Those guys don't I want to see uh, Wonder Boy just throwing some kicks to the head and just, I think he kind of got a raw deal against Woodley just in that draw. And then in the rematch, it wasn't really even a fight and he got caught, like, in the last. That's one of the worst fights I've ever seen was Wonder Boy and Woodley, too. So I'm praying for uh, Wonder Boy that he comes back. He already said it took, that you're, you're going to get your wish. He already said he, his biggest regret in that last Woodley fight is just should just let it loose and be more aggressive. He said he's going to come out and do that. And we all know Masvidal. Watch YouTube, man. He used to fight in backyards with Kimbo and stuff. So he's not yeah, going to no, back no. down. I'm a, fa- I'm a fan of that style of fighting. The thing is, I also understand. Like I hate watching the fights that are slow and boring. But I also understand that if you make one mistake, you might never take another breath. And that's always a concern in those fights Like is defending yourself. And I get why it's boring and slow, but you're going to have fighters that, I don't know. I'm willing to put, I, it's hard. It's going to be a great card. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great well, card. Especially when you get like to these guys Saturday. who are so close to a title shot, it's, uh, it's a game where one mistake, 
sends you back down to the bottom of the ladder. And the thing is, is a lot of times those title shots and getting, and especially if you get the belt, that's what can make your career where you're set for life after that. You can make enough money then to where you don't have to worry about what you're going to do after the UFC. You're not like, oh, am I going to have to open a gym and I, am I going to have to be a coach after this? You're like, oh, I, if I'm smart, I can just put this money in the bank and, I'm, and my family's set. Good point. And I wish we had more time, but we don't. Maybe next time we can get into this because it's not really like urgent because the, the card is tonight. That's the main news. But as far as UFC goes, next time I promise we'll bring up the 170-pound division because there's a lot going on in that. And that division is expanding fast. Yeah, I, I want to talk about, about the guys. To... I want to talk about Darren Till, uh, the guy that uh, Cody um, that just won in Brazil and Colby Covington. Colby Covington. I mean, the Masvidal, uh, Wonder Boy fight. There's a lot of guys at 170, and the division's crazy. And I think it's about time for Woodley. I mean, Woodley just get the hell off the ring, man. Someone's well, it's just not a out. good draw, man. Like, it's cool we'll to be a to champion it. and be a... He sucks. You know? He sucks as a draw. He's a good fighter. He's a great athlete. He's also he just, a really good analyst as well. He's a good analyst, but he's you just... You know no who impressed me as an analyst is old uh, DC. I like Dan him. yeah. He, DC with Joe Rogan is good. Is that... I think DC, after even though it was steroid aided allegedly, I'm not sure how much I believe that, got his shit pushed in by John Jones. It was steroid. I like DC's voice with Joe Rogan's is almost uh, reminiscent of. I'm trying to think of like a good combo from the past, like a John Madden Al Michaels type thing. Like you have the good combination of like lower, like raspy with like a higher pitch. You know, it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. I like it. It is nice. I agree. I think they're all they're all they all do a good job, man. I like uh, I even like uh, Dominic Cruz on there too. But yeah, um, one guy who when you're talking about surprise, the one guy who really surprised me as an analyst, Dan Hardy. I don't like, like him. When he was a fighter, he was kind of he was a loudmouth, like just knocking guys out yeah, left he and right, just not been a bitch and fought Mickey Gall when he called him out. But that's a whole other story. It's because he's medically retired, Frank. Well, all right, all right, all right. We're, we're digressing. But, like the then point. you hear him like talking as an analyst, and he breaks down these fights so well. It's like, man, if you could have done that when you were a fighter, that are like just like talking a bunch of shit, I probably would have liked you more when you were fighting. He should have fought Gall. When you get tagged, Joe, the mind registers two thoughts. What are they? Either get the hell in, or you get the hell out. And Dan Hardy's and a bitch. We're getting the hell out of the UFC uh, we're and moving the, down yeah. to. Uh, Tony's got to talk about uh, soccer. <laughs> yeah, well, right, look, that was a good segue. Yeah, we got the last but not least. We got, oh, look, perfect timing. We had about three minutes each of soccer and Red Wings. So you, got, you guys decide which order. And let's start with Joe. We haven't heard from Joe in a while. He's not the biggest UFC guy yet. We're still getting him to convert. Let's start with Joe and the Red Wings. So uh, we'll go two Break things it down. on the Red Wings. Break it down. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep it quick. Uh, Break it down. Athanasiu finally signed. Uh, traded Sheen to the uh, Penguins, which I think we're all thankful Hallelujah. for. Hallelujah. So I mean, you know, it's the first time in a while we've seen Holland uh, actually make a fucking move here, and, and, and you know, pulls head out of his ass. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> one one last thing to uh, cover down on the Red Wings is. Uh, Holland has been on the phones again. Uh, not sure who he's who he's talking about or or what he's trying to do, but he is pretty active on the phones right now in the trade market. And a name that came up uh, yesterday was Gustav Nyquist. I'd be okay so. with losing him, but uh, the one it's just what stinks about their season. They're sitting here at six, seven, and one, but they lost six games in a row. If they had just gone five hundred through that stretch, you know you're nine and four. You have some progress, nine, four, and one. It's just. 
they, I think last year they had three five-game losing streaks, and they were the only team to do that in the, in the NHL. When you're playing an 82-game season, you should just luck into some victories and not lose five in a row. We have to avoid any lo- losing... Losing streaks? Losing streaks, but... Genius! You, you, can lose, you can lose three in a row and still bounce back. It's the five in a row that's killer. I mean, they... I, and the thing is, they beat Vegas, who is one of the top teams in the league right now. That just sounds weird to me, but yeah, you're right. Exactly. Vegas, yeah, Vegas, an pretty, expansion team, is one of the best teams in the league somehow. That is pretty weird. I think I think the biggest favor the Red Wings could do for themselves is to not make the playoffs again and hope for another top pick because really this draft is uh, is very, very deep in talent, and the, and the top overall pick is, is just disgusting. Um, if, if somehow, by the grace of God, we could land that fucking guy – uh, he's the next. He's the next. Uh, I can't even talk. He's the next Nick Lidstrom. So, we'll are see. you already on the tank train? Yeah, it's a little early. Uh, I'm chill? not big on tanking because that doesn't necessarily work. You know what I'm saying? We saw the the 13th. Like, if you were to rank from from worst, you know, to better. So, talking on like, say, Colorado was the worst. So that you know, they would have gotten the number one pick. Whoever was whoever was supposed to get the 13th pick, Philadelphia, they picked second. And then New Jersey up at uh, eight or nine picked number one. Colorado picked like fifth, and they were like by far the worst team in the league. I'm not saying tank. Yeah, that's the whole point of the lottery system is to encourage teams right. at the very end not to purposely lose games to get to the bottom of it. But right, and that, that's that's from the Pittsburgh Penguins doing that uh, shit to get Miro Lemieux and Yarmir Yager. Um, they they tanked on purpose, yeah. and they were throwing games. You know, and that that that's that's the Pittsburgh Penguins for you, but. Uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things where you don't don't tank, man. But like, let's let's you know, let's trade away Mike Green. We're not going to have him after uh, after the season, anyways. You know what I'm saying? Let, let's make some let's make some moves here because it's not necessarily tanking to get rid of some of these guys, but it's it's getting something for those guys and also having that money in in the bank to pay dudes like Mantha Larkin and Athanasiu when you know Athanasiu is probably going to go to arbitration, and then you you know you're going to have to pay Larkin for sure. And Mantha's yeah. already having a pretty decent year, too. So you're going to have to pay him as well. Yeah, and I mean, we kind of made fun of you because you were always so hyped on Mantha. But, yeah, he is having a really solid year so far. Yeah, I'll give you that. You were right, Joe. You were right. Small sample size, but I never, a really We never really year. doubted him. We gave him a hard time just more for his man crush. But, I mean, yeah, we never doubted the it talent. It wasn't doubt that Mantha was talented. It was just the text about his stats for the Griffins that got on my nerves a little bit. <laughs> and those, you know? top, those topless photos of him, were. Re- how did you even get those, Joe? Those topless Shut photos you sent him? Shut the fuck up. I never sent you any topless. <laughs> and that one is jockstrap. Like, you better, I mean, I know you saw Michael Phelps, but man. Oh, I'm just <laughs> teasing you. I'm teasing you. I'm, gl- I'm uh, glad you No, uh, he's, he's, he, looks <laughs> good, he, he, looks, he looks better on a, uh, on a fast line with Larkin in double-A, uh, too. Oh, like, yeah. He's th- those. I'm Those three together, I think, are. He he said it himself. He said it uh, in the paper. He's like, we could we could be a line that's together for the next ten years. Oh, if they could put that line together yeah. for the next ten years. It'd be amazing. I think the outlook is hey, hey. as long as they trade some of these older guys away that have a little bit of skill left, or just get them off the books. Basically, the outlook is bright for the Wings because they do have young talent, and either they're going to get a good draft pick and get good players, or they're going to make the playoffs, which is positive. So either way for them, it's positive. Well, hey, would you look at yep. that? We took up too much time to get do Tony's segment. Yay! No, I'm kidding, Tony. All right, I just wanted okay, to... Okay, so <laughs> basically what's happening is the Columbus crew didn't get a stadium in Columbus, so they're moving to, to Houston. Let him have his time Well, actually, what I was going to say was, basically, if you have been following anything at all, 
U.S. soccer right now is a complete Anything dumpster at fire. All soccer related. Yeah, the United States did not make the World Cup. They didn't make the World Cup. You got like 20 guys now running for president of the federation because that election is in February. The United States Soccer Federation is also getting sued by a league in the U.S. because of the way that they've been running MLS as a closed system. And they're basically trying to put what had been the Division II league out of called NASL out of business. Totally. I'm, and I, it's just... And then, of course, the first MLS team ever, the Columbus Crew, they got bought out a few years ago by a new owner. And he announced he's moving the team to Austin. And he said, oh, it was a new thing that just came about. And then we find out that when he bought the league, he had a... In his contract when he bought the team, he had an agreement with the league that he could move the team to Austin. This has all been planned okay, all Tony. along. They basically screw the fans in Austin or in Columbus because they announced the move the day after uh, you the season tickets closed. So everybody bought their season tickets and they're non-refundable for this next season. And then the team's moving after the end of this next year. Okay, all I'm hearing right now, Tony, is that you're a Russian and you don't like America. That's all I'm hearing coming out of your mouth, all right? Oh, I love America. That's why we need to fucking fix the broken goddamn system we have. No, in your system... Okay, hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second. Pause, 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 pause. When you say if any of us have been following anything at right. all... Right. Where was I at? Like, like hold, hold on, hold on. When you say... Let's, let's put it this way. When U.S. was knocked out for qualification of the World Cup, that was like... You know how when you scroll your mouse, you got like scroll the little wheel. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was yeah. like five scrolls down on the main ESPN page, man. So don't don't fucking say if we pay attention to anything at all. Okay, I I actually did look for it because I knew they were playing. You probably scrolled through the my, WNBA, the tennis, and all that before you got. No, down they to actually it. they got a lot of they talked a lot about w- it on ESPN, but it's just WNBA is getting more hits than U.S. soccer right now, man. Dude, U.S. soccer, the whole MLS thing. Is a complete failure. No, 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 Tony. Because the, no, they said clearly, with, with creating our own home pro league, it was going to build vent. us into a world power in soccer, and all it's done is moved us backwards. I don't disagree with you that the MLS is a broken system that needs to be fixed. What thing is, your morals behind fixing it are wrong, and we're not in a Machiavellian and justifies the means type of situation. The fact of the matter is, the MLS is eventually going to push your team. Uh, Detroit FC out of Detroit, and that is what makes you angry, and they're going to choke you off. And that's what's called big <laughs> business. What you need to do is get on the bandwagon. Instead of just being an uh, opponent of the MLS, you know, you got to come with solutions. What they need to do... The solution is we need to fix the goddamn broken system, not keep propping up franchises that are losing money repeatedly yeah, but the, and producing no fucking okay, talent. Well, the revenue has to stay somewhere. What you got to do is have incentive for the players to stay in America and not have the good players right. go over to Europe and play. Those are the best leagues. What you need to do is establish... How did all these African teams get good all of a sudden? Oh, what? that's right. Their top fucking players have been playing in goddamn Europe, Gerard. Tony, are you Europe is where the best players when are playing. When was the last time an African team won hey. the World Cup? Or was your goal here to make it to the second round or win the thing? If you listen to me, I could lay out a plan that might work. I got a plan too, but you go first. First of all, we quit. I got a plan too. I want to say my we plan. Don't I got a plan send, too. We don't send these kids to college. 
You start recruiting them young when they're 14, like they do in Fuck college. fucking Europe, and you get rights to with a certain mileage from your program. You get rights to all those kids, so you can bring at 14. You can have them in your institute playing soccer instead of out playing baseball, soccer, hockey, and you don't know which sport they're going to succeed in. You go to a 14 year old kid, you say you're a sick soccer player. You can play soccer for your life. Here's a million dollar contract. You sign them up. You teach them. You play them, and then you breed your own talent. The fact of the matter is, in the United States, the best. Best athletes don't play soccer, so we're playing from a disadvantage right there. If our best athlete played soccer, we would dominate. Dude, we have like such every a lo- we have such a large pool to pull from. We that don't we can- have that large of a pool. If you figure this, all 300- right. Before you steal everyone's thunder, Gerard, let me. Uh, you make a good point. Let me just say, say one thing. I never get to talk about soccer. I think I actually have a good idea for once. But I don't want this to happen. But this is a, <laughs> this would be a good idea if you wanted soccer to succeed. I think we're fine just right now. The system can break. But if you want to do it. Kind of to Gerard's point, that's what you got to do. You got to sell the bullshit propaganda about concussion protocol in the NFL and football, real football, and get all the get all the good athletes to play soccer, like Jerry said. And put some money, put some incentive towards it. If not, then leave it to the freaking Brazilians and forget about it, dude, because it ain't happening here. Either you get the football players and the basketball players to do it, and and sell them that it's safer and better, and you get paid. And get them, which I don't think will ever happen where we're at, or not for a long time. Or get the hell out and let the brown-skinned Europeans do it, man. That's it. That's okay. it. Now, Jerry, to your point, when you're talking about the academies, they have academies right now. All these academies. But the problem is, it's pay-to-play. <laughs> to pay to play in an MLS academy is two to $3,000. Okay, yeah. Did you not listen to my point, Tony? Or did you just want to make that point? Because what I said was you pay a 14-year-old a million dollars to go to the academy. That was my plan. My plan wasn't make the kids pay a million dollars to go there. Can we you find clubs and academies. And you bring the kids in. You pay them like they do. David Beckham got recruited at like 12. Exactly. This is what I'm trying we're to explain moving, to we're you. Moving Detroit FC. We're moving Detroit FC to Dublin. The whole team's going to Europe. And they're all going to get good over there. Then they're going to come back. And they're gonna beat the shit out oh, of Mexico. Oh, shout out Net Six and Chill, my indoor team, six two victory over the last year's champs. Okay, Jerry. Yeah. Well, but while we're talking when about love, this, when's the last time a Dutch team has won the Champions League? Never. Because what they do is they develop players and then sell them no to the big one European out there clubs. Knows what they're talking about. Here's what what we need to do in the yeah, US. Yeah, and that's why they don't win shit. When was the last time fucking the Netherlands won the World Cup? They played in the finals a few years back, and they got beat. Well, podcasts are good for. I'm not sometimes. disagreeing that MLS is broken. My solution to fix it, though, is a lot different than yours. Your solution is let Detroit FC just rule all Detroit. My no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying you build clubs, and you don't have them financially propped up by expansion fees because every time because the clubs are about to go bankrupt every fucking year, so they just add more teams and have. The new teams pay $200 million, and you split up that money among the existing teams yeah, that's, to keep the teams financially that viable. That is a horrible, horrible plan, and I agree with that. What and I'm, that's why the system is failing. What you need to do is you need to go to the European style. You need an open system, and everybody that wants to start a team can fucking start a team, and then the team goes bankrupt a couple years later, bam, they're gone. But And the teams don't get to buy into the top level. You start from the bottom, and you work your way up. I, I agree. By performance on the field. Saying. And every team... Basically, every team has some sort of youth system. And then when you get a star player and you're a fourth division team, you sell that star player to like a third or a second division team for a few million dollars that then funds your system, that funds your team for the next three, yeah, four and years. Yeah, whole system. And that's how you make, make There you go. You want a youth system? You want a youth system? To my point. 
Get, take a guy like Antonio Cromartie, take his 14 kids, say don't play football, play soccer. There's a youth team, youth program startup right there. But what I'm saying is, that was the funniest thing you've ever said, Frank. There you go. That's a youth program. That started an entourage, Cromartie. At the same time, however, I'm not going to lie, jockeys do creep the hell start out of me. Start an entourage. Start a, start a fucking academy with your 14 kids. Yeah, the MLS is jacked up, Tony, but what I'm saying is you have to start somewhere, and you have these teams. So unless, okay, so what, you going to wipe them off the map? The reason why they're... Jerry, who would you say is the best player on U.S. soccer right now? Uh, I can't pronounce his name, but I know he's from Pittsburgh and plays for... Uh, BBB in Germany. Yeah, he plays for Borussia Dortmund, Christian Pulisic, and once again, he's playing in Europe. Yeah, Tony. He's playing against the best players in the world day in and day out. This is becoming ridiculous. Is that that white kid? Is that that white kid that scored every game? Well, he he was trying. He scored like almost every game. Yeah, he's basically the future. He's probably the future of U.S. soccer. I'm not going to crown him yet because he's only 18. No, the good news is because he he played for a top team, he can't leave. Because there was a kid like Sunni Saad or Amir Saad from Dearborn who got drafted in the first round by the Kansas City or Sporting KC or whatever. Yeah. He went to go play for Team Lebanon because they didn't give him a spot on the USA team. And I mean, I'm not saying he was that good, but and now but, Lebanon's in the. And the other, the other problem, if we're gonna get with Team USA, season. what you did, you would you had Klinsman in trying to bring all these European guys over, or like half your like recruit guys were half had like United States ancestry, and it was kind of working, but it cr- created a sentiment of hate from the natural born Americans on the team. And it fosters a sense of disrespect, and they were losing. The fact of the matter is, his he wasn't working, and Arena's not working. What you need is somebody that just comes out of nowhere, like a D'Antonio did in Michigan State, and surprises you. Well, part of the takes- problem with Klinsman was that he was always at odds with the federation that hired him because he didn't want our best players playing in MLS, and our federation wants our best players playing in MLS. Yes, when yes. they started MLS, they said in 20 years, well, that's we'll, be, business. we'll be one of the top Team well, doesn't get this. We'll, we'll, be one of America. The top, we'll be one of the top leagues in the world. Guess what? It's been 21 years. MLS is not one of the top leagues. It's still considered a joke, and it's here's, still here's a European retirement you. league. Here's an idea for you, Tony. You damn commie. Uh, why don't we do what the what the Soviets did with their hockey players? Just pick them up when they're five years old, and then put them in soccer camp for the rest of their lives, and they never see their parents again. I'm not saying that at all. Dude, what you are saying, though, is part of the problem. You're stating the facts, and you guys are good at them, but part of the problem why we... Don't like soccer is because listen to all you've named in football. It's the league. You've said academy. You've said fucking league. You've said federation. Federation. You're saying all these fucking things. Clubs. No one knows what the hell anyone's talking about unless you're a sicka fan, and no one is to except you guys. It it's sicka like. fan, not sicka fan. Well, Frank, whatever. I love clubs, you. federations, Frank, academies. After one of your more funny statements, you make one of the best points of your life. They need to get the word out there, and kids just can't, one league, one okay. team. Well, guess what? Here's the fucking it. problem. They're trying to run soccer in the U.S. It's not the way games. they run every other fucking sport in the U.S. Oh, you mean like the NFL that makes eleven billion dollars? Or Major League Baseball that just pulled like a 18.2 overnight rating on the World Series. copycat system, brother. America's not going to adjust the way Europeans do soccer, Tony. I then then we just have to... Then you're doomed! Then what the Federation needs to do is come out and say, <laughs> fuck it, we're never going to win a World Cup because we're not going to adapt. Yeah, we're never going to win with that Because we're not going to win. Have you never watched... Team USA beat Iceland, all right? I have a sense of pride in this goddamn That's country. Disney. Even if in America, our sense of patriotism and love because our president is an orange haired freak is dwaning. I believe in this country and I believe in America. Let's bash Trump on win. Whoa. We will win 
Uh, World uh, Cup before uh, I am dead, and the MSU Spartans will win another Rose Bowl, and everything's beautiful in this land. I love capitalism, I love money, and I love big titted women. Rock, flag, eagle. Pay the bills. We're way over. I love you guys. Jesus Christ. Oh, Gerard. America rules. Every other country sucks. We should drop an atom bomb in you because we don't give a fuck. Oh, my God. Oh, I, had so, I, like I had so many stats I could have thrown at you. No more. Oh. Pay the bills or die. Oh, we'll pay the bills. <laughs> so, as always, you can find us on Facebook.com slash Revolutionary Sports Front, Twitter.com slash RSF Podcast. It's Revolutionary Sports Front on Instagram. I posted a few pictures of the new studio while we were uh, on the air. So, if you want to go check out those pictures of what the new space looks like. <laughs> See Joe on the big screen. See Jerry and Frank and I sitting at the table. But yeah, and then revolutionarysportsfront.com is the website, and you can email the show directly at revolutionarysportsfront at gmail.com. And the show is available for download and subscription on iTunes and Stitcher. And we're out of here, so thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Sports Revolution. Adios, amigos! There it is. I've been waiting to hear that. <laughs>